A spectator subscription is now better value than ever before. As a new subscriber joining today, you'll pay just £1 a week for unlimited online and app access in your first year. To subscribe today, go to spectator.co.uk forward slash unlimited. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Max Jeffrey, and I'm joined by Katie Bulls and Kate Andrews. Katie, you said earlier this week that you'd eat your hat if Rishi Sunak didn't vote through a Liz Truss budget. How are you feeling today? Well, today I've eaten Nando's, actually, not not my hat. And I'm obviously relieved. I remember when Paddy Ashdown had to face the prospects of that after making a false prediction mm. on a recent general election. So, yeah, I've avoided that fate. But... I suppose going to those comments, I think, as we discussed on the podcast the other day, what happened was Rishi Sunak did not give a clear answer in a hustings on this question. And he was asked again today in an interview, and he did go further. And I think it does just point to what we were talking about, which is he doesn't want to take the premise, which is that he's going to be back on the back benches in a few weeks' time. But ultimately, finance bills are confidence votes. And also one of the things I talked about in the magazine this week... I think that whoever wins at the moment most likely to be Liz Truss is going to have a very difficult time uniting an unruly parliamentary party. But for all the current dislike and the fact the main debate in the leadership contest is on tax cuts, and there's lots of figures, you know, Dominic Raab, Mel Stride in the Sunak camp, Sunak himself saying this is dangerous, morally wrong. It'd be a very hard line position to vote that down because a is a confidence vote and two this is something which is so clearly what the membership will have got behind if they choose to make Liz Truss prime minister that I think it's probably other areas where I think really MPs feel it's safer as one figure put to me to rebel where she's going to have a bigger problem. Kate Tory MPs are going to be happy about this aren't they is it a sign that the party can come back together again after the leadership contest? I wouldn't take it as too much of a sign of unity, but rather that Rishi Sunak doesn't plan to leave the Conservative Party, because if he were to vote down a Liz Trust budget, he would be losing the whip and he would be out as a Conservative MP. It is an important reminder that Number 10 will always have that lever at their disposal. But as Katie also writes about in her politics column this week, despite having an 80-seat majority, it's feeling very, very small. And there are a lot of reasons for that, a lot of different factions in the party. The fact that I would say in a similar way under trees and mail, though for very different reasons, it became okay to rebel within the party that has over the past six months happened in Boris Johnson's party. And once people start feeling like they can rebel, once they do it once, they feel like they can keep going. So I wouldn't take it as too much of a sign that Liz Truss is very likely to stroll into Downing Street in about 11 days time and find that the entire party is behind her. But it is a reminder that MPs have to pick and choose their moments for rebellion and how they go about it. And when she first gets in there, as Katie points out, she's going to clearly have the support of the grassroots and that is probably going to give her, albeit a very small window, to make some changes and probably to bring forward those tax cuts that she's been talking about and certainly to bring forward a emergency package to help people through the cost of living crisis. And it's, it's very difficult at the moment. I mean, it's difficult to see exactly what it is, but it's also difficult to see Tory MPs, even if they weren't in team trust, pushing too hard against that. Katie, in that interview with the Today programme, Rishi Sunak also said that he would not stand down as an MP if he lost this contest. Is that a surprise? And would you expect him to stay on as an MP past the next general election? I think his critics are very keen to press the idea ever since non-dom, green card row, that 
that Rishi Sunak is a citizen of nowhere and will up sticks if he doesn't win this contest. He'll get bored. He won't want to be a backbench MP. He's very ambitious and he'll just go and have a nice life in America where he had a green card up until recently. And that's the narrative they want to push. Now Rishi Sunak is saying that he will stick around in the Commons. I think the interesting question is not so much does he stick around in the next few months. I think it's everything suggests he will, but does he stand at the next election? I think that's the question rather than, you know, are you going to stay an MP, which is, do you choose to stand for election again? And if he does, I think that is probably his most effective way of silencing his critics, who ultimately, I think at that point, it shows that he is in it for the long haul. And actually, it's not all about having the highest office. And if he does choose to go at that point, I think people will say, well, we were right about this on, on, on that side. I think there's also a question about Boris Johnson, because ultimately you it's going to be a strange parliament in many ways when MPs return from the summer. In the sense, lots of the figures who I think we have for such a long time seen as senior figures in the government, from Michael Gove, and if Liz Truss wins, probably the people like Dominic Raab will be on the back benches. And you'll have Boris Johnson. And actually, I wonder if Boris Johnson is going to be more of a problem for Liz Truss than Rishi Sunak, because... Everything Rishi Sunak is saying is, uh, I'm speaking to those who know him, I don't get the sense he's going to be this huge active rebel. Whereas Boris Johnson clearly would rather Liz Truss succeed him than Rishi Sunak, but would obviously as the top preference have no one succeed him. He would rather stay in 10 Downing Street. And therefore, once you have a situation where Rishi Sunak does not win that, presuming that is what happens, does he then create you know, his own power base? Does he start to enjoy his interventions? Do people look to him when things get really tough, as they will do in the coming months, and start to think the grass is greener? And I think that some of the hopes amongst those who don't want Boris Johnson to make a return and would be quite happy not to see him for some time is that he could a get quite bored of having to register all his extra income which obviously you have to do if you're an MP given he'll probably make quite a lot of money now he's leaving 10 Downing Street or two there's of course the Privileges Committee investigation but I think if you have a situation where the Privileges Committee did find that he had misled Parliament knowingly and that led to a suspension which then led to a by-election and then he lost I think that there there is a risk given and how there's already a part of the Tory party that thinks that he has been hard done by that just plays further into this narrative pushed by some that, that this is unfair and there is a coup of some sort so I, I think that would be problematic for the Tory party. Kate and let's turn to another story today in an interview with Fraser this week Rishi Sunak revealed the inside story of lockdown officials he said were given too much power and politicians weren't properly able to criticise their suggestions today some sage scientists have hit back What did they say and how has the interview been received? So I think first and foremost, it's interesting that once this interview landed, the lockdown debate just exploded once again. Obviously, it's going to be for a shorter period of time, but the UK has very much become a country, and I'm very happy about this, where we don't talk about COVID so much anymore. It's not part of our day-to-day language anymore. But the revelations from Rishi Sunak in, in Fraser's interview, I think, were so big that it has sparked that lockdown debate again. And I think that the usual voices on on both sides of the debate have come out swinging today. What's been interesting from some of the sage scientists who naturally are pushing back on Rishi Sunak's accusation that they were too empowered is that you have the traditional voices saying, no, we weren't, follow the science. But you have a lot of voices saying, actually, we weren't as empowered as you think. You know, there, there was debate and discussion amongst us. We were amongst ourselves talking about the impact on children 
children, the impact on non-COVID uh, health issues, it's not our fault that that discussion and those points didn't make their way to cabinet. And in a weird way, it's not really an attack on Rishi Sunak or this interview. It's more attack on, on number 10 and the, the interlocutors, those who would take the sage advice, write that up disperse it in cabinet, present the graphs, and essentially tell the cabinet what the next step was without much discussion within cabinet as as to how that would pan out. I think in some ways it backs up what Rishi's claim was, mainly in this interview, which is that there was just not enough discussion. Everything was presented as fact, even though it's very clear now from the political side and also today from the response to the interview from the science side that actually there was a lot more debate and dissent than we were originally told. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Katie. And thank you for listening.